The character of James T. Kirk in Star Trek serves as a cautionary tale for not progressing through the phases of life. And I know, he's a dashing hero. He runs from planet to planet to planet, stopping the bad guy, saving the girl. But what happens when that guy turns 50? And this idea is first explored in 1982's essential Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. The conflict of your heart versus your body, what you're capable of still, begins right in this opening scene. It's sheer brilliance, where they establish that Spock is in a training capacity in command of the Enterprise, leading the original bridge crew as training cadre under the overwatch of Admiral James T. Kirk, now in charge of the Academy. And Bones, while they're cleaning up the Kobayashi Maru set, turns to the Admiral and says, Admiral, wouldn't it be easier to put an experienced crew on the bridge of the Enterprise? And Kirk turns to Bones and says, gallivanting around the cosmos is a game for the young doctor. I think it means that Jim Kirk is trying to fit his square peg in the roundest of holes. He's trying to make himself into something he isn't. Something that part of him knows he should be. Right, because Jim Kirk is a military man. And the military is nothing but conformity. And an aspect of that conformity is progressing through the ranks into leadership. And that's what Jim Kirk has done. But that's not where his heart is. And the reason his life is so hollow, the reason being an admiral does not speak to him, does not fulfill him the way that being a starship captain did, is because the aspects of life as you age that make it fulfilling are a family, or friends, or legacy, a support network, and he doesn't really develop any of that. Because there's the character of Carol Marcus, who's an ex-girlfriend of Kirk's, and Carol had the bright sense to know after she got pregnant that, hey, maybe I shouldn't let this kid know that James Kirk is his dad. Because James Kirk, while a dashing hero, is not what you call a stable parental figure. But the funny thing is, those two crazy kids have been working up something called the Genesis Project. In this project, the Genesis device, really gets the ball rolling for the entire plot of the movie. Because after Jim Kirk's interpersonal conflict is established at Starfleet Command, it cuts to the USS Reliant, where Pavel Chekhov is actually first officer. And that makes me so happy, right? Because one of them got off the Enterprise, right? One of them seemed to progress past uh, their 20s and try to like, I don't know, do something different. So Pavel Chekhov and his captain beam down to SETI Alpha 6 and they find a crashed spaceship. And inside that spaceship, a man Pavel Chekhov has not seen for 15 years walks up. It is the man out of time, the warlord Khan from Earth's eugenics wars. And he says to the captain, Terrell, I don't know you. And he looks at Pavel Chekhov and says, but you, I never forget a face. Although if you think about it, Chekhov should have said something when they got in the system to his captain and say, hey man, 
I know a dude in this system. We want to avoid <laughs> this planet. Maybe avoid the system altogether. Like, what are we even doing in this system, guys? There's got to be more dead planets out there. And so, like, I'm not saying that when Khan put his weird earworms into their brains to mind control them, he deserved it. But, like, maybe that's why Chekhov was the pilot on the Enterprise forever, right? Like, in the military, they had the saying, they said they would promote you to the level of your incompetence. Well, maybe we found checkoffs, right? <laughs> like, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> and so after that, we cut back to Kirk is doing a, what we used to call a white glove inspection. Kirk, knowing what this is and being very bored with it because why wouldn't he be cuts the inspection short and then shortly after they get out of space dock jim kirk receives a message from his ex-girlfriend carol marcus who says why are you taking genesis away from us and he's like what are you talking about who's taking genesis what's happening he talks to starfleet command and they say hey man you're the only ship in the quadrant so you better go check it out and he can feel the thing he could never move past, being the captain of the Enterprise, calling to him. He gets a chance and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to manipulate it with his power and authority. It just came to him naturally. And then he talks to Spock and says, hey man, we gotta go check this thing out. He asks Spock, how are these trainees? How do they handle under pressure? And Spock gives this line that is very telling. He says, like all things, each according to their own strengths. Now, that sounds really smart. No, he's bullshit. I think Spock is coasting, right? <laughs> because if your job is to analyze people and see how they perform and see what they can do, you're going to have a more in-depth answer than, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's basically what he said. It's the most profound non-answer ever. He should know how this particular training class is doing. If you're a drill sergeant, you know how your platoon is functioning. You kind of have an idea of who's having a rough time and who isn't. And in the conversation, Spock doesn't really sound like he knows much. So I'm like, oh, are you just kind of checking a box? <laughs> and so like at the first chance, Spock turns over the keys to the Enterprise again and says, hey man, you're a better captain than I am. You should do this, right? Which is probably true because it reminded me a lot of active duty, especially the wartime army. The culture itself was built to kind of service a 25-year-old man, right? And that is to say, they want someone who's in shape in the peak physical prime and aggressive, right? <laughs> and so that guy gets in the fights and chases girls and stuff. And then you see a lot of guys who spend their whole career in the military who spend 20 25 years they kind of become 45 year old 25 year olds right they're stuck there because the culture is geared so heavily toward that environment of hard drinking hard party and hard loving and i see that in kirk and so after this kirk takes command of the enterprise and he succumbs to the voice in the back of his head 
and he just kind of becomes who he is. The only option he has, the thing he's only been good at, the only success he's ever known, the most success, is Captain of the Enterprise. And then en route to Space Station Regular One, they run into the USS Reliant, which has been taken over by Khan and his superhuman followers. And they get taken by surprise with their shields down. And then they get the crap beat out of them. When Khan has completely disabled the Enterprise, he FaceTimes with Kirk just to let him know who it was, just so he could see the look on his face, right? Say, hey, it was me, and I'm the guy who killed you. And then you start to see the pattern of people who have a long-standing relationship with Jim Kirk. They either don't want to talk to him, or they want to kill him. Because Jim Kirk dumped everybody on SETI Alpha 5 15 years ago and never bothered to check up on his progress, right? Jim Kirk knocked up Carol Marcus and she kind of saw who he was and said, oh, he's probably not gonna check up on our progress either. So then they go to Space Station Regular One looking for survivors, looking for answers. They don't find any. So then they beam into the asteroid itself, looking for survivors, looking for answers, looking for Genesis. And then there's this really brilliant exchange between Kirk and Spock, where Kirk calls Spock on the radio and says, hey man, how's it going? And then he says, if we went by the book, hours would seem like days. Now in the context of the movie, this is a brilliant move by two senior experienced officers. They know Khan is probably somewhere inside the area of operations and that he's listening. So it sounds like they're gonna take a while for repairs. Spock says, it'll take two days to restore main power. It'll take five days to get warp engines back online. Really, that means two hours and five hours is the code itself. But narratively speaking, this also gives the plot a reason to slow down and breathe for a second. Because the movie has shifted from Hunt for the Red October in space to a horror movie when they beam onto regular one to look for survivors and all they find are dangling corpses. And then when Kirk beams down into the asteroid itself, inside the asteroid itself, the plot shifts again into a family melodrama where Kirk meets his son, David Marcus. Hours seeming like days shifts the expectations of the audience in such a way that when the plot slows down to breathe, it doesn't seem out of place. And in the conflict of the movie, David Marcus is presented as the consequences of not owning up to your responsibilities. It's almost a critique on the unstable life of it all, that James Kirk is not the sort of guy to stay in one place and build something. And Carol Marcus was smart to keep him away from his dad, because at the end of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, David Marcus learns who his father is, and he's inspired by it. He says, I'm proud to be your son, which, you know, if you don't know who your dad is, and then they say, hey, your dad is the dashing hero of the galaxy, well, holy shit, that's awesome. And David Marcus, having grown up with the myth of Captain Kirk, the legend across the stars, to know that the missing piece of his life, his father he never knew, is actually really is a hero, that's gotta be an amazing feeling. 
And what that means is that you should progress into leadership roles, you should build a family, you should establish a legacy, you should evolve what that adventure is. Children are an adventure all by themselves. So is watching your hair get gray. And the best part of watching your hair get gray is having someone to point at it and laugh. <laughs> so that way you both can laugh at each other as you get grayer. And that adventure for me is a lot more fun. Anyway, that's all for me today. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday morning at 0700.